Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Confession time. There is very little that I love more than what I get to do with you every single day. Thank you for the blessing of doing it with me. That said, today represents a tough choice. Keep things on schedule in terms of our Old Testament reading or go deeper on Jude. And, (laughs) hey hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible where we daily dive into God's story, consider our own stories in light of His, and including what to do with perhaps the most neglected book of the New Testament, the short little one that's the next to last one in the whole book, in the whole Bible. So stay tuned. What I decided to do is to summarize the flow of Jude as our kind of extended reflection today, which means we'll have an old, uh, a shorter Old Testament segment, um, because Jude's an important book. Here we go, Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people, who were designated for this judgment long ago, have come in by stealth. They are ungodly turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now, I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment of on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions, and they serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people, these people blaspheme anything they do not understand. And what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them! For they have gone the way of Cain, plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who look only after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by the winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. It was about these that 
Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied when he said, Look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented grumblers, living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ? They told you, in the end time, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish, and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And that is Jude. 25 verses, and man, I think I could preach on that for weeks. I love that. But remember, we're going to come back to that in our closing reflection for doing something today that well, frankly, I don't think I've ever done. Turning back to our Old Testament segment today, uh, the segment isn't that long. We're going to do one chapter, but let's put it into context. Ezekiel is a really structured book. And the first 25 chapters of it speak to what led up to Judah's exile to Babylon. Now, along the way, God brings a court case, so to speak. And today, which is chapter 22, is like the prosecuting attorney reviewing the history of bloodshed. I think it's a good time to ask ourselves, how do we better understand God in this? Ezekiel 22. The word of the Lord came to me. As for you, son of man, will you pass judgment? Will you pass judgment against this city of blood? Then explain all her detestable practices to her. You are to say, this is what the Lord God says, a city that sheds blood within her walls so that her time of judgment has come and who makes idols for herself so that she is defiled. You are guilty of the blood you have shed and you are defiled from the idols you have made. You have brought your judgment days near and have come to your years of punishment. Therefore, I have made you a disgrace to the nations and a mockery to all the lands. Those who are near and those far away from you will mock you, you infamous one full of turmoil. Look, every prince of Israel within you has used his strength to shed blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt and the resident alien is exploited within you. The fatherless and widow are oppressed within you. 
You despise my holy things and profane my Sabbaths. There are men within you who slander in order to shed blood. People who live in you eat at the mountain shrines. They commit depraved acts within you. Men within you have sexual intercourse with their father's wife and violate women during their menstrual impurity. One man within you commits a detestable act with his neighbor's wife. Another defiles his daughter-in-law with depravity. And yet another violates his sister, his father's daughter. People who live in you accept bribes in order to shed blood. You take interest and profit on a loan and brutally extort your neighbors. You have forgotten me. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Now look, I clap my hands together against the dishonest profit you have made and against the bloodshed among you. Will your courage endure or your hands be strong in the days when I deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will act. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you among the countries. I will purge your uncleanness. You will be profaned in the sight of the nations. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, the house of Israel has become merely dross to me. All of them are copper, tin, iron, and lead inside the furnace. They are just dross from silver. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Because all of you have become dross, I am about to gather you into Jerusalem. Just as one gathers silver, copper, iron, lead, and tin into the furnace to blow fire on them and melt them, so I will gather you in my anger and wrath, put you inside and melt you. Yes, I will gather you together and blow on you with my with the fire of my fury, and you will be melted within the city. As silver is melted inside a furnace, so you will be melted inside the city. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have poured out my wrath on you. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that has not been cleansed that has not received rain in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets within her is like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, seize wealth and valuables, and multiply the widows within her. Her priests do violence to my instruction and profane my holy things. They make no distinction between the holy and the common, and they do not explain the difference between the clean and unclean. They close their eyes to my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Friends, I'm going to read that last verse again. This is Ezekiel 22, 26. Hear hear what God is saying about the priests. Her priests do violence to my instruction and profane my holy things. They make no distinction between the holy and the common, and they do not explain the difference between the clean and unclean. They close their eyes to my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey, shedding blood, and destroying lives in order to make profit dishonestly. Her prophets plaster for them, for them, with whitewash, with whitewash, (laughs) by seeing false visions and lying divinations, saying, This is what the Lord God says. When the Lord has not spoken. 
the people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery, and they have oppressed the poor and needy and unlawfully exploited the resident alien. I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it, but I found no one. So I have poured out my indignation on them and consumed them with the fire of my fury. I have brought their conduct down on their own heads. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And that is Ezekiel 22. A little shorter than average for our Old Testament segment, but the next chapter is kind of long, so we'll just be doing one kind of long chapter tomorrow that's about twice that length. And for our wisdom segment, before we get back to kind of just walking through the structure of Jude and a nugget or two there, we pick back up in Proverbs chapter 16, starting at verse 32. Patience is better than power, and controlling one's emotions better than capturing a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. A prudent servant will rule over a disgraceful son and and share an inheritance among brothers. A crucible for silver and a smelter for gold, and the Lord is the tester of hearts. Well, I think that's going to be a good place to pause It gets us up through chapter 17, verse 3. And given we just had that whole silver dross thing, I think I'm just going to leave that right there. A crucible for silver and a smelter for gold. And the Lord is the tester of hearts. Where are hearts tested? Meaning we burn away the ugly stuff and hopefully leave the pure stuff. Or the opposite in the case of God bringing a case against uh, the house of Israel. And including, if not especially, the priests. Yeah. Hey, my friends, I'm just going to go through kind of the, I'm going to close here with just kind of going through and offering up one nugget for each of the little sections through this short book in the New Testament. Jude's only 25 verses, and uh, obviously you can get through it pretty quickly. But my heart is to go, oh, I want to just bring something to life here. So the whole thing kicks off with kind of a customary greeting that you're used to in an epistle or epistolary format, you know, and Jude says, a servant of Christ Jesus and a brother of James. It's kind of interesting, and and all commentators comment on this, right? Jude is the brother of James. Well, who was James? Well, James was the brother of Jesus, meaning Jude was the brother of Jesus, or half-brother as the case may be, and yet he identifies himself as a servant of of Jesus Christ. And I just find that amazing because it's it's just a posture of humility, right? This isn't my brother. This is the Lord God. So then he goes on to state his purpose for writing, right? With God's mercy and peace and love abiding on you and in you, we should contend, and that's the key word that he used, we should contend for the faith against false teachers who have slipped into the church. Now, that word contend, 
actually is a little different than like the one we use in apologetics or see often, which is often referred to as give a defense or something like 1 Peter 3.15. Contend, in this case, is a, a word often associated with like competing in games, right? It's the struggle against, as in like an opponent, in competing so as to win, right? So it's actually not just a, we're going to kill them with niceness. There's a, there's a, there's a, a point of saying that we put forth truth so as to defeat or diffuse falsehood. So then Jude goes on to describe false teachers, right? And he used these different past examples, Israel, angels, pagan cities, and all of that probably should warn us that God is not to be trifled with. And that the sins of these godless men make them liable to judgment. But interestingly, the things that they boasted about, I'm just going to repeat those in four really simple little ways. Because him describing false teachers should give us a sense of going, hey, when do we, uh, how do we pay attention to uh, the stuff that causes death as it creeps into our church? Well, one, the false teachers were claiming divine revelation. Something we just heard in Ezekiel. <laughs> they say the Lord is dead when the Lord didn't say. Second, they acted out of self-interest, right? They go to the party, they go to the feast, but their feast isn't glorifying God. It's doing their own thing. Third was boasting and fourth was flattering, right? As in building, puffing myself up and then flattering as in um, flattering others, but not just, you know, that's not giving somebody a compliment going, hey, that's an awesome dress. It's a, it's kind of feeds back into that um, ulterior motive or self-interest. Then the next part of Jude then goes on to say, well, here's his defense against false teachers. And by extension, us, we should build ourselves up to resist ungodly ideas and particularly as he points out in the last times, right? And those and those false teachers who will try to undermine you and try to help others who might be taken in by them, right? If you feel like you've got an enemy and wonder why that person over there is getting attention, well, that was kind of the context of Jude here, right? So there were four participles in the Greek. <laughs> this is not me. This is uh, David Walls and Max Anders commentary. But he... He said, the way we deal with it, the way we arm ourselves is number one, to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, right? Meaning there is a component of action, right? This isn't passive be, this isn't, I'm not saying don't ever be contemplative and restful and abiding, but there is an active act part of building yourself up in the most holy faith. Second is pray in the Holy Spirit. There's a great idea. Number three, keep yourselves as in God's love, right? There are things that we can do, you and me, that help or hurt relationship. Well, there's things we can do to help or hurt relationship with God, right? And number four, wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Meaning we set our hope on the on the thing that we have most confidence in because it's in the person who is unchangeable and all-powerful and, and who wants to bring us that awesome good thing 
when Jesus returns. And finally, the very end is a doxology. And a doxology simply means an expression of praise, and they're all throughout the Bible, lots of them in Psalms. Paul uses them a bunch. But this is my favorite one in the whole Bible. I'm going to read it to you, and we'll call her a day. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Christ Jesus our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Jude, a servant of Christ Jesus, why? Because it just didn't seem right to call him his brother or stepbrother. He just said Jesus is God. And so should we. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.